Go ahead. Okay. Our guest, Shilda Neidl, has journeyed in physical body and been given exact Earth history by the Galactic Federation from his childhood on. And now he shares with us how Mother Earth's divine blueprint is getting us ready for full consciousness in a webinar being given this evening that all of you can attend on the Internet between 6 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. You can sign up ahead of time by going on to www.paoweb.com. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Well, now everyone on some level is certainly feeling a shift in our consciousness. Linear time is definitely speeding up. Time seems to be zipping by for sure. And our physical body changes are challenging. Yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> and uh, have you noticed the domino effects of multiple earthly transformations that are appearing? Wouldn't you say something is up? Well, I would say so. There is really an awakening taking place in everyone of us regarding what we perceive to be true. People are coming together to share in many ways their heart's are opening and blossoming. You can just feel the momentum increasing. Life is interweaving and there is a liveliness that touches each of us in a specific way. Well, just a reminder for tonight, Sheldon will be talking about shaping Earth's divine blueprint. The topic will be Mother Earth is Alive and Evolving, First Contact and the New Reality, Why Full Consciousness Now? Wow, Full Consciousness. We're ready. New energies changing our solar system and the last reuniting inner and outer Earth. Um, Paula, I think we're about ready to begin here. And well, if anybody get... has any questions, we can always uh, help them. Go ahead. Okay, so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start out with um, telling our listening audience about your uh, earliest recl- uh, your earliest contact with the Galactic Federation. Well, I was in contact with them since I can remember, since I was a little itty-bitty kid, and that's one of the things that caused problems with my parents was they probably kept wondering from the time I was a little kid, uh, where did all this come from and why were we the lucky ones? So my contact started when I was very, very young, and I was constantly being brought up to the ships. I had a basic primary guide. His name was Washta, and his job as he saw it and explained it to me it was to educate me in a whole bunch of different subjects and use that knowledge that I was being trained for to uh, to teach the planet at a certain time as a messenger for the Galactic Federation to teach people about the changes that were coming what was ha- happened to them what was going to happen to planet earth and so I constantly was learn- learning and learning and learning when I was a kid my sister and I were constantly going up to the ships I was uh, constantly uh, getting educated. They had a they have very advanced uh, educational system. Basically what they would do is they would march me into a huge uh, huge room and he would sit you in a very comfortable chair. The chair would kind of envelop you and make you feel almost like you were in the most comfortable bed you could possibly imagine. And then you would just look at the wall. The wall would suddenly... Uh, seemed to disappear. It would uh, envelop everything because it could feed directly into your brain. So the result was you saw images, and the images were not just uh, 2D like you'd see on television here today. It was 3D images. 
and you would actually be get get to uh, relive all kinds of historical events. They would teach you the same way they would teach you mathematics. They would teach you the history of science. They would teach you all kinds of different subjects. So I was learning uh, science. I was learning history. I was uh, learning mathematics. And I got all of that when I was a kid. And on top of that, my, my mother was very much into having me read early. So it was kind of like both kind of dovetailed into one another. So I really, by the time I was five or six, I was also I was starting to read uh, out libraries, except, of course, for the adult fiction and stuff like that. They wouldn't let me near it, obviously. But uh, <laughs> except for that, I was reading everything else in the library. And the same thing with uh, school. I had a photographic memory, so I'd read a book and I could completely remember down to the where the dots were in the in the on the page uh, exactly what was on the content of the page. So right. I was I would cause a problem sometimes with with teachers because I would ask questions about why certain right. things that were in the book were not being taught exactly that same way as uh, we were learning in class, and so. I even by the time I got to high school, I had one high school teacher in history who used to uh, yeah. ask me a question all the time. And when he got near the end of his lesson, he would say, well, okay, was that close enough to the book or is there stuff in the book that you want to recant to me right now? And so I would I would do that. I would tell him and page. And so I went through that all the time with, with, uh, with teachers. And, of course, when I was up there, I was – constantly in awe of these magnificent people. They're tall, large eyes, and could do just about everything. They were kind of like, uh, that's why I call them physical angels. They were like walking around with the angels all the time. It was magnificent. And, of course, the technology I just told you about, education, was just a small smidgen of the stuff that they had up there for all kinds of different things. They had uh, processors that could produce uh, food at will and make clothing and it was just an entirely different world. It was a world in which didn't have any wants. It was a world in which everybody was treated as a sovereign being. It was a world in which people constantly were telepathic with one another. So the result was that you began to become telepathic, whether you were or not, because when I was up there, that's the only way you'd communicate. And so you got used to it. And I kind of learned, got on-the-job training for uh, etiquette in how to be telepathic and how to talk to one another and how to block out certain things so you wouldn't get overwhelmed and I felt really like this was the world that I wanted to live in. I did the the world I had uh down here on planet Earth was just the opposite. It was I had a very freaked out father who was very violent. Until she until I was 12 my mother was kind of uh manipulating in a negative way of uh my life. So the result was I felt both uh in awe of my parents because I, I liked them, I loved them, but I also was in deadly fear of them because I did not know what to do. So, because I was just a little kid. So, I really preferred to be up there. I mean, the ships were friendly, kind, nonviolent. In fact, violence was a thing that was just uh, not there. And the ship would constantly envelop you with love. So, when you were up there, it was always you felt loved. You felt surrounded by it. You felt all the time that everybody really cared about you and treated you in a very special way, and you started treating them in a very special way. It was like tit for tat, and I just enjoyed it. It was the most remarkable, incredible thing that's ever happened to me. And when I finally, uh, because of science, when I was a teenager, told them to go away, 
because I felt I needed to have a science career, which didn't happen anyway because I ran into a guy who didn't like my concepts of science anyways. <laughs> it was it was magnificent. And today when I, I think about it, I said, that really was dumb. <laughs> I wanted to just... I wanted to just stay up there. I didn't want to wind up on this planet uh, not knowing what was going on. And I untaught myself all kinds of different things that I had learned when I was up there, like being telepathic and being able to, to uh, use uh, telekinesis to move things around and things like that. So I, And the reason, of course, why I asked them to leave, like I said, was because I thought I would have this career in science. I thought I had figured out a basic way to approach how to change science from a science based on Newtonian, Newtonian and Einsteinian uh, principles to one that would be more closely related to modern concepts of quantum physics and advanced quantum mechanics. So actually, I'd gone beyond that and I was creating a science really of consciousness. I didn't realize I was doing that at the time, but I found that out later. But I was just not allowed to do that because, unfortunately, science on this planet is very much in a box. It's very yeah. hard if you're if you're just learning at a very low level of science to go beyond that. And this is something that I did not understand. And so I posed it. And so I'm not a scientist right now, technically with a degree, but I have explored all alternate forms of science ever since I uh, I left school. So I've been involved with Tesla and alternate energy research and developed machines and etc. So. So how long did they leave you? I mean, did you actually have to ask them to come back? No, they decided in 1986 to return. I left when I was about 15 or so, and so it had been a while. And the result of how they got back in with me was I was developing, with alternate science, all kinds of, of uh, networks with people. We had developed a worldwide network. I had about four or five main people that were involved in science, different forms of science that were together with me, and we were trying to find out what was going on. And the thing we decided to uh, functionally uh, unify our research on was about uh, Halley's Comet, which came back in 1986. It came back with its companion, which is called Comet Wilson. And we were trying to find out which was first, because science itself didn't know which trajectory would come in first, which is Wilson or, or Comet Halley. So... That led to a whole bunch of, uh, of things which I won't get into right now, but it led to finally rediscovering the Syrians and getting back to where Washta showed up again in my life and started uh, teaching me again for this mission that I'd been told about when I was a kid. And this is what I've been doing with my life ever since the early 90s. So here we be. <laughs> so Washta is still with you? Uh, right now I have a couple of other guides. Washta has gone on to being a Ascendant Master in Cirrus. The, the Ascendant Masters in Cirrus and the Ascendant Masters here on planet Earth are working with one another right now. So I get every so often, rarely, but I get every so often a chance to uh, uh, meet with him. Sometimes he will come and explain things to me about uh, certain things dealing with uh, various aspects of politics or spiritual changes on this planet. So I get that once in a while. Most of the time, though, when I deal with the Senate Masters, it's the ones from Planet Earth, St. Germain, Hilarion, etc. So I have had a very interesting life ever since they came back in 86 because I got a long education for about uh, four years where I totally was able to 
get to re-understand and update the materials that I had learned when I was a kid. And finally, in the early 90s, they told me it was time to uh, go out the door, and so I started, went up to visit my sister one one uh, time, and I wound up getting involved with a with a lady who was bringing people out of who were who were contactees to speak, and I wound up giving my first lectures and. I found out that people really were extremely interested in the subject. So that started me on the materials and the various things that I'm doing right now. Is your sister still working uh, with them? Uh, my sister basically on one level will acknowledge that she uh, understands what they're doing and what they're up to. On another level will not because uh, she lives in the world of medicine. She's a cardiac nurse. Oh, well, she's walking on t- in two worlds, actually. Yeah, she is. She she very deeply is into into the whole concept of medicine. But on the other hand, she's had an incredibly extensive and authoritative background in uh, metaphysics, which includes uh, theosophy and a lot of things related around it. So she knows all about that because she, when she was younger, was actually working, before she became a nurse, she was actually working with the Theosophy Society. She was the uh, manager for their Quest bookshop in Seattle, and she also, as part of her education when she was younger, she was able to actually meet people like like uh, like Annie Besant's um, secretary and stuff like that, who later became president of the American Theosophical Society. So... She knew all these people in in theosophy. She had read all the books. She knew the background of it. And beside that, she had been trained in what it was all about anyways when she was up in the ships when she was very young. So she has that background, but she really doesn't admit it to any of her friends because most of them are like nurses and into, uh, I guess you might say, regular everyday stuff. They're not into metaphysics and alternate energy or, or the concept of, people who are contactees and what was that all about and what does it mean. So she, on one end, supports me greatly and thinks I'm very brave for doing what I'm doing. On the other level, she will not talk about it too much. Well, uh, did she she get an implant the same as you did? Uh, No, she didn't. No, no. but she she can understand a lot what's happening to me because she has memories, very deep memories, and, of course, she also has all that information that she got plus all the stuff that she studied when she was with the, the, the Theosophical Society, which was for like almost 20 years. So, Well, I know your latest information is about uh, the uh, group of people that are in our inner world. I mean, in and what are, how are they helping us, and, and what information have they been giving you? Well, we're talking about, you're talking about inner earth. Inner uh, earth, yeah. Yeah, the Uh what we have to understand when we look at inner earth is understanding that there's actually a, a different geology at at play here than the one that regular geology gives you. When I was a kid, I was taught all about this, and I went to inner earth, and I also began studying. Some of my best friends when I was in college are geologists today. So um, what I discovered was all about geology. I took a whole bunch of courses uh, in, in basic geology when I was a uh, sophomore in college. So I know the basic theories. I know about stratigraphy and all that stuff related to what uh, geology is about. And, of course, geology talks about the mantle being solid all the way to the core, and it's not. So just like they talk about the moon being a natural, natural satellite of the Earth, which it isn't. 
So you begin to understand theology has created a lot of mythologies which have become basic beliefs of people. And when you begin talking about it or even begin doing any kind of information that would explain why that's truthful, they will, of course, immediately throw the orthodoxy at you. So what the uh, Agarthans are attempting to do is to help people understand about their true origins because basically the Agarthans originally were uh, the Lemurians, which had a group that lived on the surface in the lost continent of Lemuria and another group that lived inside in what today is, is Agartha. Agartha is simply Lemurian for uh, for inner earth. Ag in Lemurian means inner and uh, earth means earth. So it means inner earth. So there, what I've read, um, they're about 800 miles in the inner earth? Right. The, below the actual mantle of our planet is only about 800 miles, and then you hit the other side of our surface areas. You should really look at the Earth as being, the surface area is like a skin that's really circular. It goes inside at the poles and goes all the way around the the inside of the Earth and then goes back out at the other pole and goes around the outside of the Earth, which is the part that we all know because we all live here on the outside. So when you look at the Earth, you have to realize inner Earth basically looks just like the surface world that we see, it has mountains, it has oceans, it has lakes, it has forests, it has meadows, it has oceans. It looks just like it. The only difference is it's a lot warmer in there. It averages in the 70s all the time, so you don't have great, huge uh, glaciers and things like that, which we have on this planet in the surface area. But it has everything else. And you, when you go inside, because it is a 5D dimensional reality, what you begin to see, what you begin to feel, is that tremendous energy of inner Earth, which is the energy of what this planet will look like again when it is completely brought together and unified. And we have a 5D reality not only on the outside of our planet, but on the, but on the inside, where now it only exists. So that world, which is the world of Agartha, is going to be expanded outward and become our world on the surface. And another thing that happens is when, when people live on planets, what they usually do is they have a pristine, a pristine outer world and they live on the inside. And we have to realize when people are living on the inside of the planet, this is thousands of miles across. So it's just like living in this particular world we now know, which is the physical outer planet. It's not at all like the uh, like a cave or anything like that. And it has in the middle of it a large glowing ball, which is the central core of the planet. This is the heart beating, the central soul-containing aspect of the planet. And it breathes out its own natural light, and that light is the light of what's called the central sun of planet Earth. And that's, and that's what... You, provides light for the planet. And that's why every so often people will see strange lights. And some scientists are beginning to understand that the auroras are not some strange cosmic ray thing. They're, they're actually the, the rays coming from inside the central sun of the planet and inner Earth. Some scientists are beginning to figure this out. As they go farther north, they're seeing all the phenomena that happens, which then indicates that there has to be something 
up there above the North Pole, that is not what people think. People really never get to the North Pole anyways. Uh, the, uh, the Russians back in the 1960s uh, found out that the northern pole region is actually a huge inward-shifting vortex that is uh, 800 miles across. So there's a north polar hole. And when in the late 1960s and early 70s, when the Apollos were coming back from, from the moon, they took pictures which clearly show the north polar hole. So, matter of fact, there's a beautiful picture that I've done in a few of my uh, lectures and webinars which shows the beautiful polar hole uh, from a picture by NASA from Apollo 14, which is really magnificent. And there's another beautiful one from the last Apollo flight, which is Apollo 17, which also is very similar to the one from Apollo 14. Matter of fact, the one from Apollo 14 even made the cover. No, that's another one. That's another. I'm getting them. I'm getting birds things confused with Apollo. Sorry there. <laughs> but what so happened whole- in, in 19... In 19 in 1964, a picture was taken from the ESO satellite, which clearly showed the North Polar Hole, and it made the cover of Life magazine. What we have to really realize is that what is happening on our planet is that the Earth is hollow. There's an inner Earth. There's an outer surface world. There are people on the inside. They are very benevolent and 5D, fully conscious beings, The inside is gorgeous and beautiful, and that is what the outer world will look like after it's turned back into its fully conscious, pristine self. And so what we are in the middle of is a great transformation of our spiritual and physical entities. And with all of this, when you go inside the earth, you begin to see where we're going. And one of the things that they have prepared in inner earth, of course, is for all of us at the right moment to go into inner earth and then be able to go into a special chamber that will allow us all to go through the frequencies and energies that will allow us to reach enlightenment or ascension and become fully conscious. So our future of our planet, our future of ourselves is of a fully conscious world that allows all of us to achieve our full potential and turn this entire planet along with ourselves into a great paradise that allows all of us to achieve all our potentials in our life contract and allow all of us to come together and act as stewards for this marvelous planet and even to form a nation made of all the different planets after they're all terraformed and made possible for all of us to go there. So what we have here is a transition, a magnificent transition between where we are right now, the stuff that we're feeling inside of us, all the changes. We Everybody feels aches and pains and all kinds of weird things happening to them that they can't understand. A lot of people go to doctors and say, I feel like I have a brain tumor, but I don't because the doctor does an MRI and finds nothing. People have heart palpitations, same thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to doctors, but I'm saying is a lot of people discover that this particular malady that they have is just basically changes this. I like to call it the transformation symptoms. And these transformational symptoms are such that they allow each and every one of us to see that all of us are meant to change, to become magnificent beings of light, these fully conscious beings, these physical angels that I encountered when I was a kid and that I still encounter every day, are what we are meant to all be. We're meant to turn into those magnificent people because within every single one of us is the seeds to make us into that particular being. And so what is happening to us 
is we are in transition. We are now in a period where we are moving from an age of the physical 3D world that we know to an age of a 5D fully conscious self, and that's where we're all moving. And so that's the basic message that uh, that I bring out to people, that I want people to understand, that I would like to have people look at in a very logical way and understand the nature of what is happening. So, so are there... Like you're giving out this message, but are there groups, your uh, the people that are in the PAO, uh, that are helping the first level of all of this to happen? There are many people around the planet right now that have ex- had experiences and that are coming together to form their own uh, their own groups and are working to uh, first educate themselves more and begin in many cases to go into a larger and larger environment, in other words, to invite more people in. Exactly how many are doing that and what level they're at, I don't know, because all we ask really of anybody is just two things. One, that they form the group, and two, they inform us of what they're doing initially. After that, we just will guide them if they so ask, but most of the time what we do is just provide information, as I do with my various lectures, webinars, etc., cetera, uh, to allow people to get a better idea of the information that I am giving out. That's why I have DVDs, and that's why I've printed a number of books. The purpose is to educate people about the many different things that are happening, as I was told, and allow people to get a better idea of the changes that are ahead so that they're not totally in the dark as when all these things happen. Well, are there anything, besides educating ourselves, is there anything that we can do to help this process speed up or help others uh, go through the process? Uh, One thing we need to do, first of all, is recognize that we are going through this process and just analyze ourselves, get information like you can find in in my materials and the materials of other people who are working on the Ascension process and help people to understand that this process is happening. There are a lot of people that are healers that work with alternative ways of healing that are working with people as they do their healing on them to educate them about what is happening to them, that a lot of what is happening to them is something that is that is basically a part of a vast change that has been mandated by heaven for all of us to go through so that we have a, a better idea of this change. They want us to know that we are indeed changing, that we are transforming from limited conscious beings into fully conscious beings, that these first stages that we are going through, and each one takes a different period of time depending on what person we're talking about, they go through these stages, each at their own uneven level, and as they do so, a lot of people as they awaken immediately want to find out basic information about what is happening to me, why do I not feel like I did before I woken, that these things that I knew, these basic perceptions of the reality of this world were real. And now I don't believe that, and I'm searching to find alternatives to that that make sense to me. And there are a lot of people that are searchers, as I call the original groups. And you move up from being a searcher to then getting information, whether it be on the computer or with books or or getting uh, DVDs or tapes of whatever. And what happens is you begin to get more and more educated. And then you need to really talk to one another to get groups together, whether it's uh, on the Internet to have some kind of a, of, a, of a group that talks to one another, kind of like a, uh, 
uh, a chat room type of situation. And that's some of the next levels is people begin looking and they take all the information or whatever is out there, whether it's on the Internet or or stuff that they've encountered on television or whatever, and they begin to then uh, exchange this information with one another and get better educated and ask each other, ask themselves questions of what is the reality of all of this? What does it mean? And I, when I do my webinars, I get questions from people who are asking these kind of questions, and I do my best to answer it for them. And they take all that material that is uh, given to them, whether it's from me or whatever, and look at that information and attempt to make sense of it as best as they can. And the another thing that's starting to happen is we are seeing communities happen which are allowing people on a larger scale to get a better idea of understanding what's going on and are better able then to fully explain to one another what is actually happening, not only to themselves, to other people, but to the, basically to our planet. Because our planet is in a massive change, we can notice it in all the stuff you read in the newspapers about uh, large-scale earthquakes. You can see it in uh, the increases also in, in volcanic eruptions. Uh, people who, are, who study scientific data can see how on the seabeds there's a massive increase in the amount of seabed mounts eruptions. So basically the earth right now is going through a massive change. And people who study this will begin to notice, well, the planet's changing, its atmosphere is changing, its seabed is changing, the continents are altering, we're going through these huge earthquakes. So we're beginning to see that the that various things, our technology like nuclear uh, uh, fuel, is, is stuff that really cannot be safe anymore because of the radiation and other aspects which make it not safe. And so many nations now are beginning to see that nuclear is not the way to go. They're beginning to see that we have to move beyond that. Many people are going to what we call alternate energy. What we have to do is go beyond alternate energy, which is mainly two things, either solar or wind power. We have to go beyond that. We have to start saying to ourselves, there is a basic energy, a energy which uh, I like to call zero point or, uh, or space energy. What this energy is is the energy of creation. It's out there. It is, there's literally an almost infinite amount of it. It's what makes everything, including ourselves. This energy can be harnessed to make uh, a pair of electricity that will do everything that electricity does. And the nice thing about it is you don't have to ruin the planet in order to get access to it. You don't have to uh, create giant solar uh, towers or massive uh, windmills. What we really need to do is just get into alternate energy space energy, as I like to call it, or, or zero-point energy, and look at it and understand how it's been used not only for providing power, transportation, and propulsion, but also how it can be used for healing. And that's one of my DVDs that I did was on zero-point energy. What I want people to understand is that we have around us the technologies to change our world for the better, to change the world in a way that allows all of us to not have to worry about polluting this place. We do not have to worry about destroying forests. We do not have to worry about putting where to put giant uh, windmills to, to power generators and make sure that there's enough wind up there to make it work. 
We don't have to go into the oceans and try to use wave generators in order to create electricity. We have to really realize that there are technologies that can change salt water into clear water. There are technologies that can that can take anything on this planet that's organic and turn it into stuff that can be used to, say, feed plants, can turn deserts into beautiful uh, farms or or places where trees can grow like jungles or whatever. And we have an ability to create wilderness areas that are actually benefiting the planet by providing oxygen, places for animals to live, etc. So what we really have to do on our planet is start thinking in different ways and start looking upon this world as a living being that we can use our own knowledge and our own abilities to nourish it, to guide it, to make it better, to make sure that the ecosystems on this planet actually continue to work properly. There are a lot of scientists that look at our planet and say we are near the edge of ending the diversity of life on this planet, which is the basis of how life all the ecosystems operate on is diversity. So basically we're on the verge of killing the ecosystems of planet Earth. So what we have to really understand is we are polluting and destroying our oceans, our water, and we're also destroying our atmosphere. So what we have to say to ourselves is this technology that we now have, this present polluting technology does not work. We need alternatives. And to mainly make it work, we need to go beyond all of that and get into real alternative energy, which is what I like to call space or zero-point energy generators. Now, Once did Tesla you, touch on that? Tesla was one of the people who developed all that particular technology, and he did it 100 years ago. If J.P. Morgan hadn't stopped him in the first decade of the 20th century, we would now all be able to take a small device which would probably be about the size of a of a large stand for a for a large plant with a with a head of vase on it, in it, uh, and use that to create elect, enough electricity by just putting a special antenna into the earth and then connecting that device to our place where we create our elect, electricity. The simple uh, panel, for instance, that PG&E provides for us that men, monitors all the electricity going into our house. We could just turn off PG&E, and put in this alternate energy device. This is the kind of uh, materials we have, and there's all kinds of other technologies I haven't even talked about. There's anti-gravity. There's technologies that can allow us to create any kind of matter transformation device. These matter transformation devices can create food, clothing, housing, etc. So we can change the whole concept of how our planet operates. We can go beyond farming. We can go beyond the need of this planet to tie itself to one particular type of technology for providing food. We can provide clothing the same way. We don't need to grow crops or or take animals and shear them or whatever. We can provide clothing, shelter, and food for people. So what we have is a way for all of this to happen, and this is what contact, the basic thing I'm talking about is first contact. We have fully conscious beings that want to help us finish the process of becoming like they are fully conscious beings and use their incredible technology to do all the things that we have just been talking about, to create food, energy, clothing, and shelter for all of us so that we are capable of then moving on to the next stage, which is to use the most important thing we have, which is our minds and our abilities. So as you go through all the basic 
ways that you look at our technology right now. You can basically see that it's very very technologically primitive compared to what we've just been describing. All these various devices, many of them, if not just about all of them, actually exist as uh, government projects or as devices that have been declared by the Patent Office under the uh, so-called Secrecy Acts to not be able to get into the public. So what we have right now on this world is technologies that are not being properly used, are actually being sequestered, and we have technology from the Galactic Federation that are even more advanced than the, than the stuff that we're, we've been talking about to provide energy and food, etc. Thus, what we have on this planet, what is important is we have an alternate way of looking at even how this planet is constructed and where this planet is going, where these various beings that we call ourselves human beings are right now in limited consciousness, where we can go and become fully conscious, and all the amazing technologies around us. So we are in a in a position where we can actually, by using our consciousness as it grows, become able to create a new new world, a new society. And so that's something that I think is really important. Well, there's the greedy ones who don't want us to go in that direction because they're making money from oil, they're making money from utilities. So how do we go around them? There right now are alternatives on this planet for change. One of the things that uh, St. Germain did a few hundred years ago was create a special world trust. What has been happening on this planet right now is various groups have gotten us all in a position where a new financial system as well as a new governmental system can be introduced in the various nations of this planet to cause the changes that we've just been alluding to through this program. Uh, most important thing that we have to understand is the only thing holding this back, in my opinion, is our ability to A, believe in it, and B, really want it to happen. And when all that is together, it will all happen. So I don't see it as some impossibility because one person will say, well, Joe Blow is head of this government or head of this corporation, and they run the world, and you're just a little so-and-so, and you can't do that. What has happened to this world where people have come together and taken where people said it was impossible Example is Libya, another example is Tunisia, another example is Egypt. And then we have all the countries in the late 80s in in the communist countries of the Iron Curtain, from Poland to Germany, uh, all the way down East Germany. You have people who said, we don't want this anymore. We don't care what we have to do. We're going to do it. And they did it. As a matter of fact, the entire Soviet bloc nations were were knocked down in three weeks. And not one person had a gun or a tank. Right. I mean, it just uh, was mind-boggling how they did it without guns. They just were insistent, and they were going to do it. I was so proud of those people. I am very proud of those people. They stood in the town squares of every major town and city in Germany, East Germany, and told they didn't want this government anymore, and by God, two weeks later, it was gone. (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. And they and they yes. almost overthrew the most populous, most powerful uh Asian country, China, in late eighty nine, also at Tiananmen Square. They came within one final decision by the PLA and if it had decided for the students 
uh, it wouldn't be the People's Republic of China anymore. I don't know what name they would have come up for it, but it would not be what it is today. So we we have to realize that there is out there in this world people who are willing to do this change, who understand that they need to work forward, and there are people being trained continuously around this world on what is change, how does it operate, and just remember, Tunisia fell because it was because people using a social network device, Facebook. And as a matter of fact, after Tunisia fell, there were signs all around uh, Tunis, which is the capital of Tunisia, saying "Thank you, Facebook." I mean, this this okay. entire world is can fall apart and be reconstituted very easily if people are willing to go out there and say, "We don't want to take it anymore. We want change." And so what and that's the one thing that every government on this planet is afraid of is if the people rise up and say this is it. Your time is over. We want to be free. We don't want to listen to your commercials. We don't want to listen to any of the stuff that you throw forth every day in your newspapers. We want freedom. And that is something that is happening all around this world and we are very close to Globally, things changing in this planet so dramatically that people are going to be just like when we were looking at what happened in Eastern Europe and what we're looking at happening in the Middle East today. This world can actually, despite the nature and seeming all-encompassing all totalitarianism of these various regimes, that even this massive degree of organized tyranny cannot stop this force from happening. When this force has its time come, it is unstoppable. It becomes the the unstoppable object and it becomes the immovable force. There is no way that it can be stopped. And we are right now on the verge of creating a consciousness on this planet that will create the same basic change. Beside all the other events that are ready to happen, as I explained about a new financial system announcements, etc., and also disclosure, Disclosure is an event that the Galactic Federation wants to happen. It's very close to happening. What we have to understand is once contact happens, this world is different forever. And so we are on the edge of that. So we live in an age where this incredible change is all about to happen. You you can sense it. You can feel it. They do polls of people and they ask people, what do you feel about this world? And practically about 70 or 80% of everybody says, I feel something wonderful is about to happen. And they ask them, they say, well, what will this wonderful be? It's something that will change the world. And because of that, it's wonderful. And they don't know what it is. They just feel it in their bones, so to speak, that it's about to happen. And that is exactly what is what's happening on this world. We are on the edge right now of this massive, incredible change, which includes not only contact, but a consciousness shift. And this consciousness shift is growing with every day. We are moving closer and closer to a time when this entire planet shifts, and it shifts I just, in consciousness. I, yeah, just heard, I just heard um, that thousands of Japanese uh, protested in Tokyo. They don't want a nuclear power anymore in their country. So that's an, um, another example. Right, that's another example. And, of course, what is Japan doing right now? They are saying that they have to phase out nuclear power as soon as possible. So you're getting people, 
all over the world to understand, just like Germany when the incidents incidents happened in in, uh, in Fukushima, people in in Germany forced the German government to say, we are phasing out nukes, we are going to use some other aspects of alternate uh, sources of uh, electrical generation in order to provide power for our society. And that basically is what is happening around this planet. People are changing, and it's amazing the things that are happening. Like in uh, Peru, there's, there's a massive change right now to recognize that Earth is a living being and that she must be under all circumstances respected and that to do anything or to allow anything that would disrespect the Earth or would damage her should not be done anymore. And there are people in South America working very hard right now in various other countries beside Peru and in Bolivia and Brazil to cause those kind of laws to be passed so that people in those nations can no longer abuse the planet and begin to be educated into the whole concept, which is a traditional concept of the native cultures from uh, from Chile all the way up to uh, northern Canada, the native peoples of this particular hemisphere understood that the planet was a living being and that this living being needed to be respected. And, of course, at one time when the uh, Lakota Nation was suing for the, to get the, uh, the Badlands back, they basically won. And the uh, U.S. government said, we'll give you so many billions of dollars and the chief lawyer for the Lakota Nation said, you do not sell your mother. And that was what they said. Wow. <laughs> and I, I heard some of the nations were going to have their own um, economy and, and not depend on our American dollar. I don't know if that ever got through, but uh, they were trying to do that. They are. Their, their petrodollar is just about dead in the Middle East right now. Well, we've certainly seen a lot of changes. I'm glad that actually I was born now so that I could see all of this. It's exciting. It is very exciting to watch the planet. You, we both got to see the planet when it was still in the full throes of all the various realities that we knew who were controlling it and creating basic concepts that we be, were believed when we were younger that, this planet was not alive, it was a giant dirt mud ball, and that it could be exploited, and that uh, and that it, people needed jobs and an economy, and that certain basic concepts of science were not real. So what we have right now is we are seeing the power of consciousness, we are seeing that the planet is now seen as a living being, we are now seeing that people are talking about ecology, and they're starting to talk about ecology or climate change in a way that's not just about the scientific aspects of traditionally that we know, but are starting to look at it in a more spiritual aspect. We have a tremendous growth on planet Earth right now for growth in a spiritual awareness of who we are, what the environment is that we live in, and who and what Mother Earth really is, and the debt that we need to express to her, and the sorrow that we should feel for all the stuff that she has had to go through over the past few millennia in order to maintain our civilizations and that what we need now is to make up for it, to create technologies and a consciousness that allows to be true stewards of this planet and not to just be people who are exploiting it and in a dependency relationship where sooner or later because 
the planet can only give so much, we're going to wind up with a planet that's basically dead and therefore no longer able to support us. That's why we're seeing things like in North China, a massive increase in desert desertification. We're seeing uh, dust storms happen every 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 summer, every fall, every spring in China. There is this huge blast of of sand and, and dust that comes out of the north, and it it's so bad that it crosses the entire Pacific Ocean. And at one time, people were wondering why certain forests in Oregon and Washington State were dying because of this polluted dust. And finally, the uh, people who are into ecology and the biologists for these different states did large-scale studies, and they discovered it was this dust coming from Asia across the Pacific that was basically causing pollution levels in the middle of the Oregon wilderness that were as great as Los Angeles and killing trees and affecting uh, life in the forest, different forms of animals and birds and insects. And so as a result, what we were noticing is that even in places that we thought were totally pristine, like the wilderness areas of Washington, the Angeles Forest, which is considered one of the largest uh, northern uh, rainforests in the entire planet, all these things were suddenly being affected by the fact that pollution from another continent coming across an ocean was affecting the world, and we're discovering that this is happening all the time. There's giant winds of pollution affecting not only the land, as we just described, but it's affecting the, the entire world, the oceans and the atmosphere. So what is happening to us is we are seeing that all of this stuff is related to one another. There is nothing on our planet that is causing problems that is not related in one way or another. So what we have to do is to get together as a people globally and begin to demand on a large scale that this world be treated properly and that we need to change how our society is operating and we need to use this consciousness and spiritual revival happening around our planet to change everything. And that's all happening once again because we're awakening. We're beginning to become more and more conscious of who and what we are. We're beginning to see that the standard, you might say, run-of-the-mill explanations or beliefs in whatever thing it was that we were into, whether it was uh, religions or science or government or whatever, that all of this stuff no longer applies and that we need to find new ways, new elements to change it. And that's why there's this huge spiritual awakening going on that sees we need to go beyond the process of how our world operates right now, and we need to change it. We need to have some kind of a spiritual revolution, an awakening that allows all of us to come together and change all of this stuff, whether it's government, religion, politics, whatever, government, ecology, we need to change this planet. We need to do it quickly. Our planet is on life support right now. We now have the greatest dying off of large-scale species in various niches of the life cycles of different parts of the ecology of this planet. We need to change. We are really on kind of a precipice here, and we need to understand that. That's why we're talking about change. That's why we are all changing, because we realize that we indeed need to have a new way, and that this new way is based upon a spiritual awakening. 
why people are suddenly looking out there and seeing ships up in the sky is because they realize that now we are not alone, that we have people who are willing to assist us. We have people who are here willing to look at us, give us guidance, and help us change. And that's what is happening right now around this world. People are more and more becoming aware of this. Their initial fears of something different. We have a very xenophobic uh, planetary aspects toward uh, toward anything outside of our reality. All of that is now changing. The xenophobia is dropping. People are beginning to become more and more aware that we are not alone. People are beginning to discover more and more that we are, as a people, have other origins other than the stuff that the uh, anthropologists and other groups talk about. We are actually right now in a great change in which we look at how our science is organized, we look at how our politics is organized, we look at our governments, we even look at our financial systems. We see how our financial systems are also on life support, that the way in which our society creates and maintains itself is failing. We are now desperately in need of great change. We are now desperately in need of producing something new, of coming together as a people and seeing that we have to change and that we have to transform ourselves. Now, are there people high up in the governments that know that we will have contact and are preparing for that? There are many people in government that understand that there is a contact process underway, that disclosure is required, and that if they had their druthers, they would do it, but there are other groups on, in this society. I like to call it the uh, the Wall Street Orthodox group. They want to maintain a system where that X factor of contact does not affect the whole way in which they operate. They also see that because of the collapse of their economic, cultural, and other systems, that they can't really maintain themselves. So they know they're failing. They're desperately trying to keep it going, but it's not working. So what I see is we are at the verge of a massive collapse of our societies, our economy, etc., and there is an undergroup that knows how to change everything, and they are on the verge of taking over, so to speak. And I don't really mean taking over like you do with a revolt or a coup. It's you might say the baton is about to be passed from the group we now know and fear and call the uh, the powers that be to another group that is willing to give this planet a whole new reality and is willing to finally grant to the people of this earth their sovereignty, their freedom, and also with it a prosperity and a way of looking at the world and looking at the universe that is a lot different than all the stuff, all the various belief systems that all of us have and that we are going to change. And, of course, down beneath even the most skeptical being is a deep-down belief that we are indeed changing. A lot of people just have a harder time going through the process of actually switching. But all of that is about to change. We are in the midst of a great transformation right now, and this is why I feel very closely that we are on the verge of contact and we are on the verge of many, many things that I've been talking about and that what I'm going to be talking about in a webinar that's going to be this Sunday is okay. to explain to people about how we, are, how we are shaping Earth's divine blueprint. What is happening to us? How does it affect our planet? 
and uh, and touching upon all the various things that we've just been talking about during the time of this program. Now, how how do people sign up for the webinar? What they do is they go to our website, which is, of course, as you said before, it's P-A-O-W-E-B, P-A-O-Web dot com, and they will find a section in the upper left corner where I have my updates there. Just switch onto there, and you will find a whole ad for the webinar. You can just go down, and you'll find a place where you can uh, sign up for the webinar. And that's going to be Sunday the 25th between uh, 12 and 1.30. Right, it's between 12 and 1.30 Pacific time. And then again on the 29th, Thursday, between uh, 6 and 7.30 p.m. Is it the same webinar or is it um, What I'm going to be doing is the same webinar, but always I wind up the second one. I do, I emphasize a little bit different things when I I go through uh, the subject matter that I cover. And also I also have a different Q&A in in each one of them. And the nice thing is when when you sign up for the $15, you sign up for both of them. Oh, good. So if if you thought you missed something on the first one, you can uh, join in on the second one and just and it would just like over. I mean, you would learn probably more on the second one because you've already covered it in the first one. Right. They, they like, always when, say they always say when you go through something a second time, you learn more than when you went through it the first time. Well, that's a good idea to have them two, uh, two times. Plus, if somebody's not home on Sunday, they can catch it on Thursday. So right. So that's very good. So we want to um, tell the listeners to go to paoweb.com and sign up for your webinar. And plus, they can look at the DVDs that you have. You've got some really great DVDs on that website. Yeah, I, I do. I'm really, I'm really happy and proud of the, uh, we like to call them Tools for Consciousness, our products that are, are there on the website. So uh, your newest book uh, has been out uh, how long? The... Well, the last book that I did was uh, Galactic Neighbors, and that came out about six years ago. So is, is, there, is there another book coming no, soon? Not no, not yet, not yet. Well, you're doing such good work on your webinars and your DVDs. I think uh, people have all the tools they need to raise their consciousness. Exactly. Exactly. 